so you have a great business idea and you know it'll make money, but what's next? How do you take your idea to market? In this episode, we're discussing how to create an actionable plan for your business and make sure your idea doesn't just stay an idea. We finish this episode by interviewing Yalitza Jean Charles, founder of Healthy Roots Dolls. Yalitza took the toy market by storm when she started a company that creates dolls and storybooks that empower young girls and represent the beauty of diversity. Grab a mug and listen in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce. Hey, Kelly, have you ever been working on a Shopify store and then bam, something happens and you lose what you're working on? I'd love to say no, but the reality is accidents do happen, especially when you have multiple people working on a store. Apps that automatically add code to your theme may cause an issue or a team member may delete product images by mistake. Doesn't Shopify back your store up automatically? It's a common misconception, but no. And that's where the Shopify app Rewind comes in. What's that? Rewind is like having your very own magic undo button. It helps you recover from human error or misbehaving apps. It's trusted by over 25,000 businesses from side hustles to some of the biggest online retailers like Gymshark or Movement Watches. That sounds awesome. Where can I learn more? Head to rewind.io slash commerce T to learn more about Rewind backups. You'll get your first month free when signing up on that page. Again, that's rewind.io slash commerce T. Hey, Rian. Yes. I have an idea. What's that? Let's talk about building a business plan. I love business plans. It sounds like the great morning activity, right? I think so. I feel like every morning we should wake up and just make a business plan for something. We're really fun at parties. (laughs) This is why everyone wants to talk to me. They're like, oh yeah, Rian. And I'm like, oh, let's talk about your your vision statement and how we can activate your idea. And then they're like, I'm going to get a drink. And then they walk away. (laughs) I'm speechless. (laughs) it's funny because it's true it's funny because it's true i i love ideas and i think ideas are really great but oftentimes ideas just stay ideas i've met so many people and they talk about their great idea and i'm like cool well what are you gonna do about it and then they're like well you know and it kind of like fades into oblivion and they they don't know because it could be like overwhelming to know what to do next or just the thought of having to do literally anything to actually make it happen well, right. Especially if you're a new business owner, it's like, where do you start? You have to form a business entity, potentially, if you're not a sole proprietor. I mean, there's so many things to consider. Tax implications, where you live, business licenses. And that's just to get your foot like, into the room to do a business. Yeah. You, you have so many things you need to do. And it's really challenging to, to start. But despite all that, even though writing a business plan does not seem like the most glamorous thing... It's so incredibly helpful because it, it now becomes your guide for how you're going to be operating your business. How are you going to be talking about your business? If you're going to be pitching to investors, you know exactly the things that you need to be saying because everything's there in your business plan. Absolutely. And I really think when you put pen to paper with your ideas and then you have an actionable plan with measurable results, that's when you you can see the business happening and actually just executing upon it. And it stops becoming an idea and it starts becoming a reality. Exactly. So let's dig in. Why do you need a business plan? 
Well, I I don't know who told me this, and I'm sure it's a really famous saying, but if you don't plan, you plan to fail, right? So a plan in general is needed in business, especially when it's documented and if you have a co-founder or if it's just yourself and you're holding yourself accountable. Because um, Kelly, you're you're a founder yes. alone and I have a business partner. So we're kind of in different positions, but you, there's still accountability there no matter what. And I feel like when it's on paper in front of you, you can say, you know what? Yes, I did that. Exactly. And you can also read what you, exactly what you just wrote. And you're <laughs> right. like, okay, does this actually make sense? Is it feasible? Yeah. Or have I gone totally off scope here? Because you run the risk of that in any business where exactly. you, you start chasing the next shiny object instead of staying where you need to be and focusing on the path ahead of you. So I think when you when you build a business plan, not only are you able to flesh out your idea and, and make sure it's something that is feasible and you can actually take it to market, but then you can also do a lot of research. Absolutely. What kind, of, what kind of research do you normally do when you, you're starting a business and creating a business plan? Most importantly, who is your customer? Who yeah. are you going to be selling your product to? What already exists in that space? Who are going to be your competitors? And don't start off saying my competitor is Amazon or my competitor right. is Nike. Yes, because they are not your competitor. Maybe one day they will be. But Hopefully. right now, <laughs> start, start where the customers are currently shopping. And there are a lot of other smaller businesses. And even if you have the most unique idea in the world, there is another similar business out there doing something sort of similar that you can base their customer, their brand voice, everything that they're doing, you can use that as your competition research. Absolutely. And I think it's pivotal as well in your business plan and when you're doing this research is to say, what makes me different than my competitors that I can leverage later on? The unique selling proposition. Yes. What is your unique selling proposition? And believing in that and continuing to believe in that as you move forward in the business. That was something in my previous life when I was a business banker, we spoke about a lot either with my clients who I would help apply for SBA loans because most SBA loans you actually need a business plan to apply for or or just in general we'd be if we were thinking about ways they could grow their business um, thinking we would often pontificate upon what makes them different why them is it their customer service because I'm willing to pay more money if I get better customer service absolutely and, and most people are so that that's when you start getting into the nitty gritty, but when you're building your business plan, you have the opportunity then to say, oh, I might have the exact same product as this next person, but you know what? My customer success is going to be through the roof compared to theirs. So people will choose me. Exactly. So Rian. Yes. There are a lot of parts that go into a business plan. And since you are our residence party goer who discusses business plans <laughs> at parties, what is the anatomy of a business plan? Well, first, you have your executive summary, which ironically is something that normally comes first, but maybe should be written at the end. It's sort of like the TLDR of the rest of the document. And you can think about it as like an elevator pitch or just something that identifies your business and your unique value prop. Yeah. Think about when you're going through and you're you're hiring somebody, you're looking for through a bunch of resumes, a bunch of cover letters. You want the quick overview. Who is this person? Why are why do they stand out? Why should I hire them? That's your executive summary. It is what is my business? What is my unique selling proposition? 
what are my goals here? Who's my competition? All of that stuff, but in like a one-page summary. Absolutely. And it shouldn't be more than one page. That And that's pretty key to note. And then if you are trying to raise money off of this, you also want to ask, that's where you, you put the ask. Like I'm asking for $100,000 to do why. And then you also talk about your team in the executive summary. I think that's less important if you're not raising capital. But if you are trying to raise capital, you have to have those things in. Otherwise, no one's going to look past the first page. Talking about your team is actually a really good segue to the second part, which is yes. the company overview. Right. And I think one thing that's so cool about company overviews is every company is structured totally differently. And that's important to outline because some companies have really flat structures, right? Where no one really reports to anybody. That's very tech. Where yeah. no one really reports to everybody and it's kind of nebulous. And, and that's really normal in tech. But then in, in more traditional sectors, that is not normal at all. It's actually like if you were to take that into, into a bank, for instance, people would just wander around all day being like wondering who they're supposed to report to. <laughs> and, so, and so a company overview is really critical in um, delineating what you're selling, what your industry is, what your business's mission, vision, and values are. And then how your company is structured. I also, also think go it's into the history of the company as well. You know, right. if you if it's a brand new company, you might not have history. So talk about how you came up with this idea. What's what sparked this interest in the first place? And especially if you are trying to go for lending here, and I am not a I cannot give financial advice, however, that's my that's my legal disclosure to you all. But however, if you uh, say your background information and really explain why you have relevant competencies in this vertical, you're more likely to get that SBA loan or get that business loan. L- banks especially are less likely to give you money if they're like, well, you have no way, you want to run an ice cream shop and you've never worked in any kind of retail or service or food. Why do you want to run an ice cream shop? You know, they, they're like, why? Whereas if you're like, oh, well, I worked 10 years in retail and did this. And now I'm going, I'm going here. Oh, that, well, that makes sense. That, that seems logical. Exactly. I think it's also really important to talk about business objectives. Do you include both short-term and long-term business objectives in your company overview? Absolutely. I think both are important because long-term objectives, they can honestly change over time. And by providing yourself with smaller goals and smaller objectives, especially when you're just getting started, you're, you can shape that, that business plan as you reach you know, the first goal or the second goal or you realize that you go straight into you know, your third, a quarter, you know, three months into your business and suddenly you realize that who you thought your, your target audience is, is actually somebody totally different. So you need to pivot a little bit. So that's why I think it's important to include both your short and long-term goals. A hundred percent. And it's also important to lay out your your team and the key players on your team as well as their salaries. And that yeah, might... especially the salaries. And I get yeah. it. It's tough coming up with those salaries up front, especially when you don't have the money to hire them or yeah. you're just not ready to hire them because you're still forming this idea. But these are the types of things that need to be included because when you're running your, you're trying to build out your operational budget, you need to know how much you're going to be spending on people. Right. Like if you're, for instance, want to hire a COO and you're like, I want to spend $50,000 on a COO, like that's not going to happen. And it's important to set realistic expectations as to your salaries and who you want to develop in your leadership hierarchy. For sure. So the next part is the market analysis. And 
to me, this is kind of my my favorite part because I love a good like like a competitive analysis and seeing who else is out too. there. Yeah. You get to and create like the the brand story, the t- the customer story. Who is your ideal customer? What are they like? I mean, you get to get super creative and like you get super deep into the research in this part. I well, I everyone knows I like data, so market analysis to me is always super fun and digging deep, even by using something like Wikipedia. Uh, but there's also tools like Manta that you can really dig deep into that field and you can look at competitors across your space and where you want to be. And when you take the time to do that, you're not going to have as many surprises down the road. You're not going to say, oh, whoa, I never even thought of that. Because you have thought of it because someone has already done a SWOT on your market, which is strengths, weaknesses, opportunities. And threats. And threats. I forgot. I was like, I am the t- So you talk about business plans at parties. I talk about SWOT analyses at parties. But uh, we're so much fun. <laughs> I'll never forget the time when Daniel and I were at a co-working space and I was doing my off-site business plan for 2020. Haha, what a time to, to plan a year and this is how it's turned out. But I, I obviously created a SWOT analysis in there because I love SWOT analyses. And I showed Daniel the whole business plan afterwards, the strategic plan for 2020. And he was like, Kelly, don't be offended by this question, but how do you know what a SWOT analysis is? <laughs> I mean, first of all, Silicon Valley. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I learned it somewhere in banking. But they do talk about SWOT analysis in the HBO show. Oh, <laughs> Silicon I didn't know Valley. That. I I learned because I have a degree in public health and when you're doing community planning and program planning you're absolutely conducting a SWOT analysis like 100% of the time, right? Exactly. Um, every <laughs> every program has a SWOT analysis. So while we're talking about acronyms, I also want to talk about goals and how they should be SMART, which is specific, measurable, attainable, realistic and timely. And The reason I say that is because much like ideas, goals are a great thing to have, but only when you can either achieve it in in the sense of a goal or do it in the sense of an idea. And so when you set smart goals, you are more likely to achieve them and not just set some wild goal that is like, you know, 10 years out and then, you know, what are the measurables and then it becomes overwhelming. It's really easy to get overwhelmed as an entrepreneur. I know I get overwhelmed as an entrepreneur and I'm not in the genesis stage still of my company. So especially when you're starting out, doing a SWOT and also setting smart goals for yourself is, is critical. So I think a really interesting one to talk about here also is your customer segmentation, your target audience. You have to get hyper specific about who your target audience is. And I'll give you an example. I know of a boutique that's based in a college town. So the average age in that college town is late teens to early 20s. It's a pretty large university. I'm talking about the University of Georgia. Really rare there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That's where I went to school. Um, So most of the people who are shopping in this store are... Uh, are women who are likely in a sorority, but they're young. They don't have a ton of money because they are college students. So this is who you would think that their standard customer is, like their, their target audience. It turns out that even though they have that brick and mortar location where the college students are shopping, they also have this online store. 
And their most popular target audience, their most popular customer is women in their 40s and 50s who live in Texas. That is bizarre, but I love it. Exactly. Because it's totally unexpected. Yeah. So these are going to be people who likely have a little bit more money because they aren't poor college students like I was at that time. Um, I mean, the, just the age is a huge difference. Their level of education could be different. I mean, these are all the, t- the things that you need to be thinking about. How are they spending their free time? Do they work? If they do work, where do they work? What kind of sectors are they usually working in? How much do they? How much money do they make? That is a really, really important one to figure out. Very important to figure out. Well, and then you get to see like market tolerance for pricing, right? Yeah. Because you, maybe that shirt that you're selling for twenty dollars could be sold for forty. Exactly. Or vice versa. <laughs> or maybe <laughs> yeah. no one's going to buy the forty dollars shirt, and you got to knock it down to twenty. And I think one more important thing to talk about here as well is what do your customers believe in? Especially now, customers tend to shop at brands that align with their own beliefs. So if you know where, you know, where you, why you created this company, what you believe in, if you are instilling those same values into your business, your customers are likely to follow those same values. That makes a lot of sense. When I think of uh, a brand that executes this really well, it's Everlane because they talk so much about sustainability and it's always on the front like the first thing like yes Everlane is a fashion company but at the same time they position sustainability and uh, fair and ethical work as the major that's their differentiator and that's and it and I I really believe that that's one of the reasons why so many millennials and uh, Gen Z or Zoomers as I was told they are preferred to be called um I'm glad we finally <laughs> gave them a name honestly I yeah yeah I was told by a Gen Z person that the, the term is Zoomer, so I'm we're going with Zoomer. Um, there, but there's a reason why so many of us want to shop at Everlane, and it has a lot to do with their brand positioning. Exactly. And the product that they offer, which is different than everybody else. Speaking of products, that's the next section, products and I services. What yes. products are you selling or what services are you offering? You know, just depending on how you structure your business. This is where you get into the nitty gritty of what are you plan on, planning to offer? Do they come in various options? Like, do, are you going to offer different sizes, different colors, whatever it might be? Where are you sourcing your products? Are you creating them yourself? Are you drop shipping? Or in, in other words, are you sourcing the products elsewhere and reselling somebody else's products? Lots of things to think about here. Lots of things to think about. And I also think it's, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you're starting a business, I would advocate that you do a little bit of research on economics and not like a full-on undergrad course or grad course in econ but just so you have a good understanding of not just supply and demand right which is like your kind of high school high school based knowledge yeah um but but a more advanced understanding of econ because it will help you inform your business choices and your business plan in in a better way for sure. Well, which really then, I mean, essentially also leads into how your, your financial planning, right? Like how do you set your prices? Or how are you going to save for taxes? How are you, are you going to take a loan? Are you going to take a line of credit? What, what are you doing financially? And it's something that I feel like talking about finances is kind of taboo in North American society. And I, because I'm a former banker, I feel 
I, te- te- I tend to have terrible boundaries when talking about money because <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, let's talk about it. It's so normal. But it's something that people do not speak about very openly. And in a business plan, you have to speak about it openly because it's critical to your business Absolutely. Yeah. The, and the reality is there are so many people out there who are willing to share. So continue to network with people who are in a similar space. And if you can get, if you can share that knowledge, if you have that open transparency, not only is it going to help you form your own financial plan and figure out, you know, what do you need to include on your, on your operating expenses and things like that, but you're also getting the mentorship from somebody who's already been in the space. Uh, which is always critical. I think finding a, a good mentor is one of the best things anyone could ever do for their business. I've had several good mentors throughout my career and they have without a doubt changed the way that I think about things. And to this day, I have a, an advi- a mentor, advisor. He's my uncle, but that's fine because he's been in tech for a really long. And I literally call him. I'll be like, I have this idea. And I'll tell him. And he'll normally just tell me it's terrible. <laughs> but but sometimes you need someone like that in your life where you're like, no, no, stay on track. Or no, it's really great you, because yeah. Regan's my mentor and I will do that <laughs> with her. And I always know when I have a bad idea because she doesn't flat out say it. She just says, let's massage that a little bit. <laughs> I'm big on like, let's massage that. We should workshop that a little bit. Yeah. Let's. And then maybe we just, you know, massage it right off the table. Just massage <laughs> it right off the table. <laughs> so one last point on the financials. There are yes. three things that you definitely want to include in there. And again, this is going to be more for people who are not starting a business from scratch, but you are updating your business plan if you already have one. That's going to be your income statements, your balance sheet, and your cash flow statements. Talk to your CPA to get this information. Yes. Also, you could be like me and try to DIY it. Yeah, hire a C. I tried to DIY um, our accounting for the first many years of business. And I'm going to say I'm a competent bookkeeper, sort of. <laughs> but once we got a full time CPA, I was like, oh, ho, ho, ho. I should have done this a really long time ago. Oh. Uh. I love my it's CPA. It's worth it. She's wonderful. I love my CPA too. They yeah. save you so much money. They really do. It's but you you have to wrap your mind your 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 mind around that. Exactly. You're like, oh, it costs a lot, but I'm getting a lot back. Yeah. And then of course, you also have to have a marketing plan. In your yeah. business plan. How are you going to market to your customers? Where are they? Yeah, where are they? Well, where and, are and my that's customers? A, well, but that's something that we always talk about. Like when I talk about SEO stuff, it's like when you build a store on Shopify, you are basically, it's like building a store in the middle of the United States with no roads to it, right? Mm-hmm. And you have to create the roads to get there. And that is your job as the owner, the founder, the marketer, whatever your role is, is to create the path there. And whether that's through um, paid ads or through SEO or a combination of many, many different things, you have to keep that in mind. It's not a, if you open it, they will come situation. It's a, if you open it, now and you, you market have to it, work really hard. And you price to, your products correctly. Yeah, and yeah. you're selling to the right people. And you have your unique selling proposition, you know, really clear. You have your customer objections in mind so you know how to move past those customer obje- objections. Then the customers will come and they will buy and, your stuff. And they will come. But it, it's, it is hard work. 
And I think that's always important to know is part of being an entrepreneur is feeling like you're failing quite often. And it's okay to feel that way. Absolutely. But you, you just keep going. And it's also important to note that you can kind of get carried away when it comes to the promotional plan because yeah. you can get super excited about what you're going to do and be like, oh, I'm going to go post on social media right now. You know, just like hype people up. Hype is great. I'm all for it. But finish your plan first. Yes. Because if you don't have a finished plan, then you've only have you've, you've hyped people up for not a lot of things. Nothing. Nobody likes an idea that's been hyped that doesn't actually go to market. I can think of a, f- a festival uh, <laughs> that comes to mind. Fry Fest. Fry Fest. That's very hyped. You want to try Fire Fest? Fire. Is it when, is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. F-R-Y-R. It's, it's F-Y-R-E. Yeah. Fire. I guess the thing that stood out the most for me there was the sandwiches. I agree. I, oh, I'd also like to say I did not crashed go. and burned because some random person yes. who bought I did he get did he buy a ticket? I don't remember exactly how he got there, but he posted a picture of the sandwich on social media <laughs> and it went viral and people were like, Oh, okay. So this festival is not actually a real thing. No, and for all of you who want to learn more about that, I believe there's a documentary. There on are Hulu. multiple documentaries. Multiple there's one on documentaries. And there's one on Hulu. Fire about how everything went wrong. You have to watch it. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's a great example of a marketing plan with, <laughs> I wouldn't even say half baked. That was like one sixteenth baked marketing plan. That bread wasn't even toasted. That bread was not toasted. <laughs> it's just a sad sandwich. So, so four what, final things just to keep in mind when yes. you are putting together your business plan. First of all, know your audience. Going back to the same example of that that store at, in the hometown of the University of Georgia, their audience ended up being somebody completely different. And this is why you need to be very mindful of not who you think your audience might be, but who your audience is actually going to end up being. 100%. Second, take yes. your time. This is not something you want to rush. This is not something I excel in. No, it is not. I'm so impatient. Listen to Kelly, though, not me, for this. It's, it, it, again, you can get really excited. You're going through these things. You're like, oh, I'm going to do this right now. I want to do this right now. I get it. The more details you have in this this business plan, the better off you're going to be in the long run. Which is funny that I say the more details because you also need to be concise. If you put together an 80-page business plan, you're oh. going to be like, oh, yeah, look at this business plan, and then you're never going to read it again. Could you imagine being an investor getting an 80-page business? I'd be like, cool, this is cute. Like, I don't want to read this whole thing. And <laughs> trash can. Yeah, yeah. And what's the, what's the last thing to keep in mind? Yeah, the last one is to be consistent with your tone and style. This goes for pretty much everything you do in terms of, you know, how you're marketing to your audience, how you're copywriting on your website. But that tone and style starts in your business plan. And that is something you should absolutely be defining inside the business plan so you know exactly how you're going to be talking to your customers. This is great. I hope that y'all were able to find some benefit from us speaking about business plans I know it was really overwhelming there was a ton of stuff in here um I hope it was fun I had fun I (laughs) hope so because they're the ones who are recording this podcast that's true that's true 
So we are now going to introduce our guest for this week's podcast, Yelitsa Jean Charles. Uh, she's the founder of Healthy Roots Dolls. She, her story is incredibly inspiring on how she built up this business and she defied the odds of what other people were saying like oh nobody's going to buy our product and so on I'm not going to tell her entire story here because you really need to listen to this interview today we are joined by Yelitsa Jean Charles founder of Healthy Roots Dolls Hi, Yelitsa. It's great to have you on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So I'd love to kick things off by just having us uh, just tell us about yourself and Healthy Roots Dolls. Yeah. So Yelitsa Jean Charles, CEO CEO of Healthy Roots Dolls. I am a first-generation Haitian-American, graduated from the Rhode Island Island School of Design with a BFA in illustration, and somehow ended up making physical products (laughs) as as a toy (laughs) company founder. Um, Healthy Roots Dolls is a toy company. We create multicultural children's products, and our first line of products are dolls. And our first doll is Zoe, and she's all about curl power and teaching girls to love their curls. So it sounds like you have a background in art and you went from being an illustrator to being a maker. Can you tell us more about that experience? So I went from illustrator to doll maker after starting my undergrad at the Rhode Island School of Design. And while I was there, I was able to develop the language to talk about the experiences I had had as a woman of color, and especially focusing on children's media and the content that was created that didn't reflect me while I was growing up. So when I got older, I was able to see the impact that representation or the, or the lack of representation had on my own personal development. And when I was an undergrad, it was during um, the the wave of the Black Lives Matter movement, and I was very active um, in the protests and bringing those conversations to my campus and in our curriculum because I felt that artists have a unique position and skill set and responsibility to educate uh, our, our culture because we are creating the content that people are consuming. And so from that, I realized that I wanted my work to have impact. And so for me, that meant producing content for children. And I wanted to be a children's book illustrator, but somehow ended up making dolls because of a class project where we redesigned fairy tale characters and I got Rapunzel and I turned her into a little brown girl with beautiful kinky curly hair. And my friends just said, oh my God, this looks like a doll. This looks like a doll. So from there, um, went to Facebook and didn't realize I was validating like the problem in the marketplace and, and having conversations with other women and realizing we never had dolls that looked like us and had hair like us. And why is that? So I did research, learned that toys influence how kids think, act, and see themselves, and ultimately decided that this would be the solution to this problem. I love that. I have two questions for you. Yes. The first one is how long have you been selling online? And the second one is how did you navigate learning to sell online? Yeah, so Healthy Roots Dolls started from a Kickstarter campaign, and that was because of how active I was on social media, and I learned how to like grow an audience and you know define my personal brand really early on, and so that's basically what I did for the company. So to people, we look like an overnight success, but I've been doing this for five years. I've been having these conversations in this space for five years, and I built a lot of strong relationships, so going to events, finding people who are influencers in my space and you know lead conversations, but mo- most importantly, I participated in accelerator programs that gave me the skill sets to 
build a company, especially uh, in regards to digital marketing and e-commerce. So one in particular was the startup Stampede um, from the American Underground in Durham, North Carolina, where they literally gave us like step by step, like this is how you build ads. This is how you define audiences. This is how you test things like and they gave us a budget of like eight hundred dollars to do it. And so I got to play with money (laughs) to try to make (laughs) money for a little bit. And I, you know, I've just been doing it for two years and it's working so far. That's like, I want to do that program because despite running an agency, I know nothing about creating and selling when it comes to ads. (laughs) It's interesting. I've watched Facebook change over the years and I don't technically consider myself an expert but whenever I talk to mentors and you know our investors are about our results they're like this is good you need to you need to focus on doing your digital marketing (laughs) I'm like okay cool (laughs) what was your experience like raising funds to develop grow and scale your business it was hard um I actually wrote a medium article about how in order to raise the capital and and build my company, I had to mind my damn business. And literally, I just, you know, kept my head down. Because what happened was I was in the Mass Challenge Accelerator program in 2015. And people didn't take me seriously. I was young. Um, My team was all black women. We were selling a product that they considered only for black people, rather than recognizing that all children can learn and play with different types of dolls and products in general. Another conversation for another day. That's painful. (laughs) But, you know, that just adds fuel to my fire. Um, And so from those conversations, I realized how challenging it was going to be for me as a female founder, as a founder of color, given the fact that less than 1% of Black founders raise capital. So I decided to do a Kickstarter campaign. And after that, my first investor was Arlen Hamilton. After I connected with her through her Medium post around the same time as my Kickstarter campaign and just kept in touch. And then from there, that's where the challenge began. And so I took the capital I got from Arlen in a grant and just kept my head down and did the American um, Underground Startup Stampede program where I learned how to do digital marketing and, and did our own sales. And then I did pitch competitions. So I realized that, okay, if you guys in this space are not considering me investable, I'm just going to go get capital from somewhere else and make it happen. And so I went to, you know, I ended up at Essence Fest and did the first New Voices Fund pitch competition where they were looking to invest in female founders and founders of color and got $25,000 there, did another accelerator program, got a $25,000 grant, got an investor. Um, Then in 2019, did an accelerator program for Backstage, got 100, and then was, while in Detroit, did Demo Day and got $125,000 in grants from winning first place and People's Choice. So, you know, when you do the work, the opportunities come. <laughs> I've always wondered, because I've never actually pitched myself, uh, do you find pitching stressful? Is it, does it get easier? What, what are your take, what's your take on that? They are stressful, but for me, it changed when I learned to enter spaces where people were looking for me. So, you know, looking up who's judging, what type of people are attending and going there because I, you know, in college, I would go to these pitch competitions and it would be other college students trying to cure cancer. I'm like, all right, like, <laughs> I'm obviously not going to get this one. <laughs> Where's, where, where are my people, the e-commerce, the physical product people? So you're up against people who are trying to cure cancer you're selling you're 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 trying to sell this innovative product first to market product what how how was that whole experience it's hard as hell um (laughs) (laughs) it's really hard especially when you're like I regret I I often regret not staying in industrial design in my in my sophomore year I was in it for one week 
but you know they had this at, at my university they have this challenge where you're supposed to make 100 forms out of like sheets of metal and i was like can i make like animals and flowers and they were like no i was like ugh this is not like <laughs> this is not the major for me um so the it was challenging and in order for me to overcome the obstacles of not being you know technically savvy of the space and experience and you know being new i had to find people who were not direct competitors but sim- like in that space and willing and open to mentoring and advising me through it so rizd ha- like basically funnels people to hasbro and that was one of the first conversations i had is with somebody who worked in you know product development as hasbro at hasbro and they you know gave me some tips and introduced me to some other people and i actually used makers row i think it's called which is like this online database of like manufacturers to find our first manufacturer and um um, the manufacturer that we use now was actually an introduction from someone in my venture for america class who introduced me to the director of entrepreneurship at duke university while i was attending the startup stampede accelerator who then introduced me to a woman who has founded a very big toy company but wasn't in competition with me who introduced me to someone who sourced a factory for me (laughs) So relationships really matter. Um, And that's how we were able to find the factory to produce our product. And in terms of design, I had already had experience, you know, as a creative person work. So I took the initial prototype from sketch to sculpting it by hand. And my network is full of creative. So I was able to find a 3D modeler to take the the prototype and make it a finished product. And um, then hiring a COO to help me work with the factory. And this is a person who has years of experience in the space. And I attribute her to much of Healthy Roostall's success. But yeah, that was basically my experience going from prototype to production is using our relationships to find the right people with the right skills to fill the gaps in what I didn't know. That's impressive, especially some of these things like finding somebody who can do 3D modeling. Like that's a to me, like a pretty obscure skill to have. So it's really great that you were able to find somebody who actually does that, who is already in your network. Well, yeah, I honestly attribute everything to social media, like me not being afraid to ask for help and just putting things out there and being very clear about what I'm looking for. Speaking of social media, yes, (laughs) you recently had a tweet go viral and I imagine it's brought a lot of interest to Healthy Roots dolls and the product and wanting to buy one, but you're, are you currently sold out? Yes, we are sold out. And we talked about this a little bit, but it's funny because we literally sold out like three days before we went viral. And I was like, dang, if this could have happened like a month ago, that would have been cool. I could have saved some of my marketing budget. Like, all right. So speaking of, you know, you have all these new incoming visits coming in. Are you doing anything to be able to market to them once you are back in stock? Yeah. So obviously, like any business that knows what they're doing, we have (laughs) a pop up on our site so you can sign up for our mailing list. Um, I actually had been talking to a PR agency and they recommended because I I was debating even doing pre-orders, to be perfectly honest, because Mm pre-orders is not my favorite thing. I don't like people waiting for product and, you know, you get all those emails and but it creates an opportunity to further communicate your brand and your value props to customers who have onboarded to like waiting for the product. Um, and so I had to change, I had literally changed it like the night before we went viral, like changed the copy and installed the buttons with the team and make sure everything was running right. And it was because of a PR agency recommending, well, instead of just doing, you know, the wait list, give them the option to pre-order if they want to. And I was like, you know, what? yes, let, let, let's just do both and see what happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we have, you know, our Clavio, we have our funnels. Um, we are doing our digital marketing. We're coming up with some new ad campaigns and 
uh, riding the wave of our viral content and, and communicating with our new audience. So you're, you're speaking about going viral. How did that happen? And how are you handling being sold out right now? Um, it's pretty interesting getting the number of pre-orders that equals what you would do in like a month in a couple days. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, I can rock with this. All right. Well, first of all, congratulations so much on selling out. And and thank you for sharing how you handled your your pre-orders. As someone who does SEO, I've, I've seen so many people when they sell out, they just like turn off their website and or their product and they're like nope and then it becomes a 404 which is as we all know not great for seo so the way you've done your pre-orders is awesome and i in fact have a pre-order in for zoe as we speak people turn exactly. off their product like they just shut down their website yeah yeah they, they really do do that yeah even with that because we had an original our, our when we were selling we were selling a bundle with our special we were partnered with my black is we are partnering with my black is beautiful and so it was a bundle of products and instead of taking that website that page down because i knew it was linked all over the internet i just redirected it i was like okay this is sold out but you can find this here see that's the way to do it <laughs> <laughs> thank you yeah and especially doing both not only the pre-order but also the wait list for people who don't want to pre-order yet or don't you know want to save up for it or you know whatever it might be providing both of those options is honestly like the best case scenario right here if you if you are actively sold out yeah I'm I'm learning that and we're excited it's really crazy because we have like several thousands maybe tens of thousands I don't know I haven't really looked at wow. the numbers too hard yet but it's a whole new audience to engage and it's like I can't wait to see what user-generated content we get from this oh totally you are going to have so many fun pictures to use across all of your marketing I I am excited to see this like we're going to probably have to have you come back later to discuss all, like what has happened since yeah, then so here are all the ads we made and here are the hair tutorials <laughs> we did Yes, exactly. So you mentioned Clavio. Mm. Other than Clavio, which I'm a huge fan of and I could talk about it literally all day, what other apps and services can you do or can you not do without uh, by running your business? So Clavio is super important. We actually, let me pull it up because we use this website. We, My friend Leanne, he he works at another startup and they have so many different, He he's always the guy that I talk to when I'm considering new apps. Um, he told me about inquirer posts so that I could see where people were coming from. <laughs> like, okay. what brought you here? Um, we also use Gorgeous to handle all of our tickets for our customer service team. Um, I love looks. I love looks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, because it helps us get, you know, new user-generated content and show, like, I don't think our website would be what it is and, like, people would purchase the way that they are without seeing all of those reviews, like the hundreds, hundreds of reviews from people with the photo because... Oddly enough, I don't know why, but there's just something about, you know, the internet in general where people will message our team and be like, is this a scam? Is this a real website? <laughs> I'm like, these are actual people. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I am a real human. <laughs> yes. Like people are answering these. Um, Privy is something that we plan on using when our sh website is back the way that it's supposed to do, supposed to be. It's great for capturing emails and like, you know, giving rewards and things like that. And then I think I said smile rewards, but yeah, I'm always looking at new things. Um, I know that the, that I think it's bold. They mm -hmm. have a bunch of apps that we plan on using in the future as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Bold is great for upsells, for customizations. If you want to like do your like build your own kind of set, especially customizing like the Zoe doll, for example. Those that like bold options will or that's the bold builder. They have so many apps. I don't know what they're all named anymore because they also change occasionally. But yes, long story to say, yes, bold has a lot of apps definitely worth checking out. <laughs> so all of those apps are some of my absolute favorites. Um, I'm a really big fan of, of Gorgeous and, and Privy especially as well. So in learning everything that you've been through here, what are some of the lessons you learned along the way in, in getting Healthy Roots dolls up and running and all of the attention it's gotten and so on? So I think the biggest lesson that I've learned, and that's something, and it's something that I tell a lot of my peers and like people who reach out to me looking for you know advice, is you just have to do things. You just have mm-hmm. to do it. Because like if I had hesitated about switching my website over to pre-orders, we would not have you know the increase in sales that we have. We wouldn't have had the new lead gen that we have. Um, and so for me, I like I spent so much time hesitating and like thinking about things rather than actually trying it. The best way for you to know if something works is to see if it works. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that that trial and error is really is really key. And I think not being afraid of failure, especially. Like, yeah, like I think doing my own ads has definitely pushed me. Like, I don't hesitate to try a new ad campaign now because I'm like, I just want to see what, like, whether or not people respond to this, whether this converts. Like, let me create this graphic and slap it here and let me do this video because if it doesn't work, I'll just turn it off. That's it. Yeah, it's perfect. Some things are never, some things won't work. That's that's just the nature of business. I've, I've, I've started new services and killed them just because I realized that it's a waste of my time. It's exactly. just, that's how it goes. So one final question is, what advice do you have for an entrepreneur who has this idea, who's never taken it to market before? What would you recommend be like the first three steps that they take? Okay, this is funny because people I've I've had this question where it's like the three steps and these were the three steps I did. And it was from my friend Sophia while we were in college. And this is this is the motivation for it's not the motivation, but the what I use to guide me through healthy root stalls is step one, figure out what you want to do. Step two, figure out how to do it. And then step three, do it. And I love it. (laughs) It sounds simple, but it is so hard for people to determine whether or not they know, like to sit down with themselves and be honest about what do I know and what do I need to learn and how can I learn it and who can I ask? For sure. I absolutely love that. So where can we find you on the internet? So you can find me on Twitter at Vyalitsa. Um, please try to spell it as correctly as you can. And um, on, on, on all other platforms, I am at Black Girl Versus the World. And if you're looking for Zoe, you can find her at HealthyRootsDolls.com. So every week we like to close out our episodes by shouting out a store we like or folks we want to bring attention to online. So Rian, what is your shout out this week? So my store of the week is actually a bookstore, but primarily it's one book, and that is Kamala and Maya's Big Idea on PhenomenalGirl.com. And I love it because it is about two young girls who are sisters and they're working together to create a change in their community and it looks so beautifully designed and I really can't wait to add this to my children's book collection, which I always like to keep at home for when I have small visitors, my young friends, when they come over and we do some reading time. 
Awesome. Yelitsa, what is your shout out? My shout out is not necessarily to a business, but to a boss. It's Arlen Hamilton, our first investor. If you haven't gotten her book, it's about damn time. It's about damn time you get it. (laughs) I am currently reading it right now. So my shout out this week is a company called Liber and Company. Uh, My husband is super into making cocktails right now and has been getting super creative with the cocktail game and they make syrups of all different types. Like I think we just bought a passion fruit syrup and we bought grenadine and I don't know, there are a bunch of them on there that I really want to buy, but we tried a drink with the passion fruit syrup last night and it was really, really good. So highly recommend it's liberandcompany.com. Yalitza, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your story. I cannot wait to see all of the amazing things that Healthy Roots dolls are going to do and you're going to do. You're just phenomenal. And I really appreciate your time and you coming on the show. And we hope to have you back one day. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure sharing my story about starting Healthy Roots dolls. And hopefully it educates and shares and inspires some other entrepreneurs to pursue their dreams. I have no doubt that it will. And I'm really looking forward to having you back on later to basically recap everything that's happened like right now, because this is some really exciting time for you. Oh, I'm excited to share the content that we're going to be getting from customers. So I will definitely have to come back. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode. You can subscribe to Commerce Tea on your favorite podcasting service. We post new episodes every Tuesday, so grab your mug and join us. See you next week. Clocked In is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify App Store.